Hello, this is Dan Bender, executive producer of the Singles Podcasting Network. Today, I'm excited to present Single Living, a podcast that brings you straight talk on everything that concerns today's singles, including relationships, dating, travel, and financial security. Single Living is hosted by Rich Goss, a well-respected expert in the singles industry. He is the author of eight books on dating and has lectured on the subject in over 50 colleges and universities. Rich is frequently interviewed by the news media, including Oprah, CNN, Fox News, and The Wall Street Journal, to name just a few. And now, here's the host of Single Living, Rich Goss. Welcome to Single Living. My guest today is Jerusha Stewart, author of The Single Girls Manifesta. Jerusha is the original last single girl in the world. She encourages single women to revel in being the most sought-after girl at the dance of life. Welcome, Jerusha. Hi, Rich. Thank you. Let's start off with why you wrote the book, Single Girls Manifesta. I wrote the book because I ran into so many women who were feeling like, um, I haven't been chosen, nobody wants me, I sit at home, you know, your typical myths about how awful it is being single, and then I started realizing, hey, there are a lot of people out there who are single today, and they can't all just have happened to be single. So I wanted to find out how people arrived at singlehood. Right. So I went across the country, interviewed a couple hundred people, men and women, about how they actually arrived in single land. And did you find that there were actually a lot of happy singles out there? I found that there were most amazingly passionate people about being single. I mean, it was just really eye-opening. First, I found out that nobody was single because they hadn't found the wrong, the right person. All of these people somehow, consciously or unconsciously, had actually chosen to be single, whether uh-huh. it was the fact that they said, you know, I just always thought I'd get married, but I just never did anything about it. <laughs> or they, yeah, you know, like, I thought it was going to happen, right. you know, that it would just kind of be part of life, but I didn't really push it. Right. The people who said that, you know, one person, you know, wanted to be James Bond and led a life of, you know, traveling around the world. People right. wanted to pursue um, higher education. They just had other priorities. Yes. And that led them away from the altar rather than stand down it. So I presume that you wrote the book for these people who, let's say, are committed to being single. Well, I wouldn't say I wrote the book for people who are committed to being single so much as I wrote the book for people who wanted to know what's this new single lifestyle about. I mean, you know, close to 50% of the people in America now are single. Right. And that number is rising in other countries around the world as well. I mean, in England, yes. it's over 40%, Japan, Australia. So this is a worldwide phenomenon. And why do you think this is happening, Jerusha? Why are people choosing to be single? Because, of course, in the olden days, everybody expected to be married. Um, oh, gosh. I think one of the reasons people are choosing to be single is because they have more options. You know, women have a greater sense of financial empowerment as, right. whether, as well as emotional empowerment. So there's not that drive that I have to get married. And I think they're questioning what the purpose of a relationship is in their lives. I think people have so many more options these days in terms of what kinds of relationships they can have, be it living together, not living together, 
being married, not being married, boyfriend, girlfriend, same sex. There are just so many other things that are acceptable today as an adult than there was generations ago. Right. And uh, do you foresee this trend continuing, that more and more people, higher percentage of the population is going to be single? Oh, yeah, this is here to stay. No. (laughs) It's like a virus. The more people figure out that they enjoy being single, it's very addictive. And and it's hard for people to break free of all the conditioning from society, all the brainwashing that goes on. You know, the women, if if you're single and you get to be a certain age, they call you an old maid, and the men, they call you an aging bachelor. Uh, Don't... Yeah, don't people still feel a tremendous pressure to get married? Actually, there's not as um, much pressure to get married as there was in the past. And I think a big part of that is that the world has opened up so much broader for a lot of people. So there may be pressure. It's interesting. There may be pressure to date and be in relationships, but there's not as great a pressure to actually make that lifetime, lifelong commitment. And I think a big part of that is people are marrying later, so people are getting to know themselves better and figuring out what they want for themselves. You know, they're figuring out what their life's purpose is. I think that the divorce rate is so much higher that it's almost become acceptable that you're going to, you know, you're going to have a starter wife, then you're going to have a second <laughs> wife. <laughs> so we're yes. really into serial relationships now. Serial monogamy, right. Right. And also people are living longer. And so a lot of people just can't imagine being with the same person and that that person is going to meet their needs, their goals, as they change over an extended lifespan. Right. And let's talk about yourself, Jerusha. Can we get personal? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I don't <laughs> tell it. Oh, you don't? Shoot. <laughs> well, well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I presume you're single. I'm single. And happily so. And happily so. I mean, one of the reasons I wrote the book was I found that I was really good at being single. Okay. And I, even when I was married, people said I was the most single married person they knew. <laughs> and, and what did they mean by that? And I think what they meant by that is I really do portray myself as an individual. Like I actually have a single self. So when I'm in a relationship, I don't merge into the other person. You know, I'm perfectly happy going to the movies by myself, going to dinner by myself, making plans with my friends. If that's the case, then in, in that case, Patricia, why did you get married originally? I fell in love. <laughs> it's a powerful feeling, that love stuff. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so, you, you know, you, you, you have that desire to couple. Right. But now I guess I find that it's not the overwhelming desire, you know, for some of us as it is for others. I think that people who get married, that's their first priority, getting right. married. And I remember when I was younger, I always thought, gosh, there may be love at first sight, but I think if I met love, I'd probably say, um, excuse me, can you wait a minute? I want to go to <laughs> law school. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And what about children? Did you ever plan to have children? Um, I did. I always thought that, you know, it's funny, I always thought I'd adopt children, and so that's still an option. And and that's one of the things about being single today. You know, it used to be in the past, you couldn't be a single parent. You couldn't adopt children. Again, now the world is changing. You know, I tell singles, there's nothing you can't do as a single person. We really are in an age of limitless living. Yes. And that's something that I think, you know, more and more singles are starting to embrace. And speaking of, you like to say that 
today is the best time in the history of the world to be single. Why do you say that? Oh, wow, because there's more of us. <laughs> yes. It's safety in numbers. It's yes. safety in numbers. That means yes. there's more people to date. There are right. more people to go out and play. You know, yes. whereas before you might have been in a society or you might have lived in your small town where after a certain point you could literally have been the last single girl or the last single guy in town. Yes. Now we live in a world where you can connect. It's a borderless society. Yes. And there are just tons of people who are single right in your own neighborhood. And there are organizations and companies and sites that are dedicated to bringing you together, like your site and my site. Right. It's just amazing all the dating websites out there. There seem to be like thousands of dating websites, and some of them, you know, the Match.coms of, of the world and Yahoo Personals, you know, they claim to have, you know, 10, 20 million members. It's just and phenomenal. You know people spend more time and more money online at dating and singles and romance sites than they do at business and financial sites. That is so the amazing drive, thing. I know. Our drive for love is greater than our drive for money. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. but yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, It's certainly very popular. Definitely on the Internet, the dating sector is the biggie. And, of course, you mentioned, you mentioned, of course, that there are a lot of companies out there that are serving the needs of singles. You know, you've got your nationwide companies like It's Just Lunch. I think they have uh, about 80 offices across the country. You've got Great Expectations, which is the big video dating company with 55 offices across the United States. And you've got eight-minute dating. Yes. You've got, uh, but I even think it goes further than that. You've got more and more companies who, for example, I just attended an event where Chevrolet was totally focused on singular women and marketing to women who are single because really? we're such a big segment of the car buying market. Interesting. Same I did not know that. Yeah, I, 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 I did know that. But, but, but I have heard that the fastest growing segment of first-time homebuyers now are single women. And it makes sense because when you, when you go to a mall, what do you see? Home decor stores. Yes. You know, the pottery barns, restoration hardware. Every mall, you know, has several um, stores devoted to nesting. Yes. And we're shoppers. <laughs> yes. So it's really, we really are making a big economic impact in the marketplace, and people are paying attention. Well, who are all these single people anyway, Jerusha? Well, I think one of the interesting things today about who the single people are is the statistics, they're different. It's not just 20-somethings anymore. It's, any, you know, 20-something, 30-something, 40-somethings. Because you have the traditional people who were single until they got married. Now you've got divorced people. You've got people who are being single again, maybe because they're widows. So you've got an increasingly aging population of singles. And so, of course, that opens up new markets and opportunities and roles, you know, as a lifestyle for people who are single. And I think those people before, you know, it's funny, I did an event with the opera where we had a singles night, and the age range ranged from 20-somethings to 60-somethings. The 60-somethings were, I mean, the 20-somethings were so surprised that the 60-somethings were at the event. <laughs> they had no concept that someone could be single at that age. Yes. And I think that's something else that people, you know, this, this particular baby boomer, you know, generation, where you have, you know, older women, you know, like Terry Hatcher and Desperate Housewives, Right. who are single and proud of it and living a very single lifestyle and saying, hey, I can be happy, and no, I'm not really out there looking for a guy. 
Yes. And let's talk about some of those older singles, Jerusha. First question, is there sex after 40? Oh, yes. There's sex after 40. <laughs> I mean, that's another myth. People tend to think that only younger people are getting laid. You know, AARP did a survey, and they found that, first of all, it was, it was kind of interesting that men, of course, who date, are still dating to get laid, even after yes. they're 40. That, that whole motivation doesn't change. Right. And that people, people typically are having sex at least once a month. Yes. So you still do keep up your drive. It's still a possibility. You can still have fun. You can still enjoy it. And again, there are more um, websites and products devoted to having sex, and singles are leading that drive. Yes. Of course, we're the ones who are out there experimenting. We're the ones who have more partners. So we have to practice safe sex, and we've got to be at the cutting edge of the technology of sex. Right. Tell me, what would you say are the five things that you need to know right now about living a stupendously single lifestyle? I'd say first and foremost, be fearless and fabulous. Know that there's nothing wrong with you. You're not lacking anything because you're single. You know, you are, you are enough. Because I think a lot of people get into this mindset of thinking, there must be something wrong with me. And I tell them, go to the mall. If you want to figure out, go to the mall and see who's in a couple. And you'll see that there are all different types of people who are coupled out. So it has nothing to do with you. You are making that choice. Um, I think another important thing is to realize, again, that you can engage in limitless living. There is life beyond the bar scene. There are so many opportunities to connect with people today. You know, there are adventure tours. There are classes. There are, you know, home buying seminars. Just whatever your interests are, there's travel. You know, know that just because you're single and you might have to do something alone. I mean, I have plenty of stories in the book from people who talked about what it's like to go out and do things by themselves and the people they met and the experiences they had. I mean, you know, we're changing the marketplace. You know, another thing to realize is that things like single supplements and travel, they're soon going to be a thing of the past just because of the competitive nature of the travel industry. So that's another thing to keep in mind in terms of why this is a fabulous time to be single, that, you know, you're not going to be alone you know, wherever it is that you're going, people realize they've got to connect you with other people. Well, I like the fact that you're mentioning single travel because that's a big sector, and a lot of the companies out there are realizing that they're missing the boat if they don't cater to the needs of single people. You know, the days where you could get away with charging single people double in a in a cruise cabin or a hotel room or whatever, hopefully those days are going to become obsolete at oh, some time in your future. Yeah, there's definitely, there are websites just devoted to that, like cstn.org, which is out of England, because people are starting to, these companies are starting to realize we are going to, we have more money to spend. We don't have kids, you know, right. we don't have husbands. We have all of this, you know, income that we spend on ourselves and our lifestyle and entertaining ourselves. So they want to capture those dollars. Right, and let's not forget all the singles travel clubs in the United States, uh, singlestravelcompany.com, for example. There are just so many of these companies and single travel clubs out there that uh, can find you a roommate if you don't want to pay the single supplement. 
And, of course, there's the old saying that there's safety in numbers, especially women don't like to travel all over the world by themselves. They, If they don't have a husband or a boyfriend to escort them, they sure feel a lot safer being a group of 50 or 100 singles going to Thailand or Russia or wherever it is that they're traveling. And I think that a big part of what's driving this, of course, is are this whole idea of special interest activities. Like I yes. put on singles events with alumni groups from different universities for that very reason, and we take them on different tours and trips because you're bringing together single people who already have something in common. They went to the same school. So then you take them away on a trip where they're able to engage the environment and then engage with each other. And what universities do you deal with, Jerusha? Um, Stanford, um, Harvard, um, University of California, Berkeley. So I'm a Stanford alum. So this started out of me organizing, graduating, and deciding that the university should focus on the single alums and I started hosting a single breakfast um, for the university homecoming weekend that now draws hundreds of people. Really? So it's, it's just turned into a fabulous opportunity to meet other singles. Yes. And what are some of the other suggestions you have for, for how singles can be happily single? Well, I'd say that one of the major things when I think about how pe- singles can be happily single is just reaching out to other people, you know, People ask me about this whole phenomena of dating, you know, and why it's so different on the different coasts. I mean, on the West Coast, we seem to be involved in dating stutter. Like, people just don't know how to do it. And on the East Coast, people are just much more intentional and are able to ask people out. And I say that, you know, one of the things, it's fun, just have fun. You don't have to date so that it leads anywhere. You can go out and meet people and just hang with them and have fun. The other thing I tell people is to be more proactive. If you're interested in something, chances are someone else is interested in that as well. So get out there. You know, there's Craigslist. There are lots of um, social networking sites that allow you to gather other people of like minds and get together and do things. So I, you know, I tell you, be more of an initiator. Right, and you mentioned, of course, taking classes in the local community colleges, the local recreation departments, uh, the local cities out there have a lot of classes out there that are non-credit classes, and if you want to meet somebody who shares your passion for stamp collecting or whatever else you like to do, then take a class and uh, you'll meet like-minded people. And I think another place that people often don't think about, a lot of businesses are offering classes. Harley-Davidson offers a motorcycle school. There's a racing school. There's improv classes usually given by comedy clubs. You know, you might want to look at something out of the ordinary. Right. You've got the Learning Annex, for example, has offices in some of the major cities in the United States, and they do a lot of classes. Correct. And they typically, you know, they offer great top-of-mind personalities. I just saw one with Donald Trump. So, you know, when you're going to things like that, you're going to meet people who are outgoing and want to have fun, because a lot of the, you know, and one of the other things singles mention a lot is how do you find other single people and how do you make friends when you, you know, as you age? Because when you're yes. younger, most of your friendships come from, you know, grade school, college. That's how you make those relationships. Well, as you get older and people actually are either getting married or leaving town, you need to start your social network up again. And classes offer a perfect opportunity to do that because everyone's starting in the same place, and you've got to ask people questions. And then, of course, you've got the singles organizations out there. It's just incredible how many thousands of nonprofit and also profit-making singles organizations there are in the country. 
Um, basically, whatever it is you'd like to do, there's a singles club that would like to do it with you. Here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for example, where we have so many singles organizations, you know, you've got single sailors. If you want to go out on a sailboat, you don't even have to own your own boat. You can just be part of the crew. If you like the motorcycles, which you mentioned a few minutes ago, there's the Singles Motorcycle Club, and they go on... Yeah, they go on rides, uh, one or two rides a month all over California up to into Nevada. They seem to have a lot of fun. There's Date My Pet for people who are right. pet lovers and pet owners and want to meet other people who share that passion. Right. There's the single ski clubs, too, here in the San Francisco Bay Area. There's a whole league of single ski clubs all over that like to go to the ski chalets together. And, uh, you know, they share one gigantic place, and it's dirt cheap, and they have a big group of people. They can either race if they like to do that, or or they can just do the recreational skiing. Uh, they also have a singles volleyball league. So they, uh, you know, when they, when it's uh, not as cold and, and they can actually be outdoors there. in the sunshine, they play volleyball. All together. And so I list a lot of those organizations in my book, which is a resource. I have a whole resource section that lists different clubs, sites, you know, resources in terms of how do you find other singles like yourself. So you know, the amazing thing to me, Jerusha, you know, I get so many calls uh, throughout the years from single people that call and say, gee, there's nothing for singles. And then I, you know, I guess I kind of shock them when I say, well, actually, there are thousands of singles organizations. And whatever it is you like to do, chances are there's a group of singles that would like to do it with you. And these people are just completely shocked because they just don't know that there's so much out there for singles. Well, and that's one of the reasons I wrote the book is because I realized that a lot of single people, for whatever reason, seem to think that they were the only person that was single. Right. And it may be something actually in the word single that seems to imply that you're the only one. So yes. they are all, you're right. They are always shocked to find out that there are tons of other people who are single who may even be closet single, you know, who aren't even advertising the fact that they're single. And that people are having so much fun being single. I think that is the biggest kept secret about being single, is how much fun people are having. <laughs> and, and, of course, uh, not to raise a bad stereotype about married people, but often couples tend to be a little lazy. They tend to stay home a lot. Uh, they tend to be couch potatoes. A lot of married couples out there really never go out of the house other than to work or go shopping. And they miss out, whereas uh, the really active people in our society tend to be the single people. These are the people that take the non-credit classes. These are the people that go out and take the dance lessons and all that kind of stuff. Single people often have a much more exciting lifestyle than married people. And I say that because I tell singles we have many more opportunities to partner. You know, when someone gets married, for whatever reason, that little partnership gene seems to get turned off in their brain. Yes. But when you're single... You have many more relationships. You have a workout buddy, a shop buddy, a movie buddy. You might have a book club buddy. You might have someone you travel with on the weekends. You have office parties. Yes. You even have breakup buddies, of course, for those down times <laughs> and sex buddies for those up times. So right. we just have many more reasons and motivations to get out and meet people. Let's talk about dating right now. Who do you think should make the first move in today's modern society, the man or the woman? I think who's ever interested should make the first move. I don't think, okay. I, you know, the rules have totally changed. I think it's perfectly okay, and I've talked to many women. I write as an advice column for Match.com, and I interview tons of singles, and lots of women have stories about asking men out. Now, I will say, you know, people typically ask me, how do you do that? 
the important thing when you're going to ask a guy out is to get to the point, you know, and don't ask the person out for a weekend away, you know, ask them to coffee, ask them for a definite time, you know, don't make a big story out of it because men are more linear thinkers. But it's perfectly okay to ask men out. So whoever wants to make the first move should go for it. And then who should pay? I think who should pay should be negotiated between the two people. And I think if they're, if anybody's uncomfortable with paying or thinks that someone, like if you're the woman and you really feel that men should pay, then you should say that. And I think it's perfectly okay to say that, to say, you know, I believe you, and if the guy doesn't want to pay, believe me, he'll let you know he's going to pay. But most yes. men will tell you that when they're on a date, you know, sure, the girl goes to reach for a purse, but they know that if they don't get that check first, chances are you're going to think he's a schmuck. Exactly. So <laughs> we're all kind of playing at the same game here. Yeah, there's sort of a double standard there where a lot of women out there are earning enough money nowadays where they could afford to pick up the check or they could afford at least to split the check, and yet there still is that old-fashioned subconscious mentality that these women have, these successful professional women have, that the man really should pay, and yes, I'll make the gesture, I'll offer to pay, but he's an idiot if he takes me up on that gesture because I'll never see that cheapskate again. Again? But you know what's interesting is when you talk to men, you find out that Yes, they they think it's okay for a woman to pay, but in a way, their social conditioning is such that they need to pay because they need to be able to show you that they can afford to take you out and they can afford to support you, that they need to make that expression. So sometimes they're not comfortable with you paying. They'd rather pay the first time, and then after that, if you want to go Dutch or you pay some time and he pays some time, but they really want to put their stake in the ground. Right. Let's talk a little bit about sex. Can we talk? Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> We're all grown well, up you know, here. Yes, well, in the, in the olden days, there was the famous three-date rule that supposedly if you didn't have a sex by the third date, the man would not call again. Uh, do you find that still true, or was it ever true? Um, I think it, it, it probably was true in some small girls' school in Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> You know, after a certain point, and especially, again, because singles are reinventing this whole lifestyle of being unattached, I think people are having sex when they're comfortable with having sex with the person. And that may be after the first date. That may be after the fifth date. I think what's more of a determinant is what kind of relationship they're expecting to have with that person. Because remember, we're not all dating to get into a relationship. We're dating to have different needs met. So, and that's a big difference. And I think that in a way, that's sometimes where the confusion comes in. And that's where, you know, the stereotypes get a little messy. I mean, some people want to have sex. And as long as you're practicing safe sex, hey, go for it. Well, we're running out of time here, Jerusha. I want to remind everybody that your new book is out, The Single Girls Manifesta. And also mention your website, which is the last single girl in the world.com. And I'd like to encourage people to go to the website who are single, send us your information. We're going to be partnering with a major card company and playing Cupid on Valentine's Day and sending everyone cards. Excellent. So we'd like to have you get one. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I'd like to thank my guest, Jerusha Stewart. 
And I'd like to point out to our listeners that Single Living is a production of the Singles Podcasting Network in San Rafael, California. If you have any comments or suggestions about Single Living, feel free to email us at singleliving at singlespodcastingnetwork.com. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, this is your host, Rich Goss. Rich Goss.